section but sometimes with in a less specific sense um, the term Brahman is used to refer to the absolute just like we have at the beginning of the uh, well let's say the the Vedanta Sutra or the or the Bhagavad Janmadiya Sayataha It's often rendered Brahman as that from which creation, maintenance, and destruction are, you know, come and who presides over and uh, Janmadi, etc., birth of the world, and so forth. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I would assume that that's the case in the section that you're referring to. Um, sometimes, and it's fairly characteristic of Gaudi is to say Param Brahman, but um, not always. So Brahman is also a name for God. Then we look more closely at it, we distinguish Brahman, Paramatman, Bhagavan, and and different disciplines aimed at attaining different these different uh, phases of the Absolute, which speaks of a variegated nature. Uh, to transcendence, which is a very interesting um, idea that um, doesn't seem to be the the uh, seems very Gaudiya. It's quite uh, like seems so obvious, some of the points that the Gaudias make seem so obvious, it's just like everybody must think like that. When, when, for example, uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami um, says, Yadadvetam Brahmapanishadi Tarapyasa Tunubhadasa, one of his Mongol verses, that he's speaking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He is the Brahman that's spoken about in the Upanishads. He is the Paramatma. He is Krishna, Narayan Krishna. And and then, then in his in his explanation of his own verse, he, he, he just says, well, there are different paths. And while they have a lot of common ground, Gyan, Yoga, Bhakti, and that they're ideal, their pursuit is trans is to enter into transcendence. Uh, 
they have different notions about the nature of transcendence and the paths while having a lot of common ground are also quite different if you look closely at them so uh, if they have efficacy in terms of delivering the result of course we would say they need a little bhakti in order to be fully uh, um, efficacious but um, that that said um, if they are to be fruitful then it seems quite reasonable the result would be slightly different you can say all roads lead to Rome mm-hmm. but it's probably a pretty big city mm-hmm. so you can go to different <laughs> different neighborhoods and, you know all pizzas aren't the same <laughs> so so it just seems like well that makes sense and uh and then the, you know there and then the, there's a modern kind of atheistic argument that you hear sometimes that well they can't all be right they all describe god differently right well they could all be right <laughs> is the godia answer hmm? different faces of the godhead and they're asankhya uncountable hmm? innumerable um, um, but uh, I don't. Uh, everybody t- seems to talk about their own their own room up there, hmm. it's as if with walls around it. Hmm. There's a saying, you know, story that um, I guess this was before Vatican II, when Catholicism was uh, a little more um, sectarian. And uh, we were brought up as kids to think that the, the Protestants next door were pretty unfortunate because they weren't going to heaven. Um, so anyway, you know, a fellow went to, a Protestant made it in, I guess, something like that. And God was giving them a tour, right, of heaven. And then there was this big wall and he said, what's that? What's that wall? He says, oh, that's the Catholics are on the other side and they, they they like to think they're the only ones here so we put a wall around them. <laughs> so so everybody's kind of in their own room there if you if, if you will and uh, not everybody else's conception fits in it or goes there and so therefore it's it's uh, tends to be dismissed but this is not a very uh, to use Bhakti Thakur's term Saragrahi perspective Rather a bar a bucky perspective, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So in Bhakti Vinod was very much uh, to speak of him for a minute, but kind of what you might call a theistic uh, perennialist. You've heard of the perennial philosophy. This is an old term. It was popularized in more modern times by who's that fellow? Huxley. Hmm. British must be a British guy. Aldous Huxley. Hmm. But the term predates him. Hmm. But he gave it a certain uh, twist, the perennial philosophy, um, and the, the idea being that there's this, this, there's this current hmm, uh, that you can find throughout the great uh, traditions, religious, spiritual traditions of the world. And if you look 
carefully that 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 beyond the cultural and sectarian i don't mean in a pejorative sense but each each sect is different details there's this common uh ground and, and so the perennial philosophy the truth the current of truth um is available and, and it shows up differently in different cultural settings and gets this cultural uh, ornamentation or or you could say baggage even and so do away with all the cultural baggage and you have the one and then as from kind of Huxley's perspective then going forward um, others who embrace this more or less uh, identified with the Hindu conception of Brahman where there are no cultural distinctions all these uh, material, as it would be, thought differences are are left behind. Hmm? But uh, there was a Catholic theologian named Zainer who um, theologized and um, posited a theistic sense of perennialism encounter to Huxley's perspective and the dominant uh, perspective in in the group of perennialists, if you will. It's not very well known comparatively. Hmm? But um, it's, uh, I would say, um, more similar to uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's perspective. He was, he was a perennialist. Um, I guess I don't know when when was Huxley's book written. Yeah, so after Bhaktivinoda, but so he 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 very much um, wanted to put see Gaudiya Vaishnavism on the stage of the world's religions, rather that's rather than some unknown obscure sect somewhere in in Bengal or Bangladesh. He wanted to get Gaudiya Vaishnavas put on the stage with other world religions. And therefore, he very much sought common ground. Hmm? Right? Hmm. And his idea, strategy in one sense was get on the stage by speaking about Gaudiya Vaishnavas in, in ways that it would then connect with these other traditions, like he would say. And in Christianity, they have the sakiras, brotherly love. Hmm. That's a pretty broad way to talk about sakiras. Hmm. And there's ways in which he, uh, you could say, he also um, stretched Gaudiya Vaishnavism to find common ground with Advaita Vedanta. Everything is there within this is a very Advaitin perspective. It's all there within. Just take off the exterior, and so love is in, love of God is in. You have to bring it out. Something so that you can look and see the different ways in which he stretched things to find common ground. With the idea being, I think that 
get on the stage and then and then highlight the differences as well. Hmm. Um, so uh, that said, of course, he respected the different uh, traditions. He himself was a convert. Sometimes I refer to him as the first Western uh, convert. Hmm. Um, and so he was uh, the beautiful thing, I think, uh, about Bhakti Thakur, this that he was very uh, deeply esoteric, and you can find that in his writing, uh, very deep, and at the same time very broad and universal. Hmm. Oftentimes, in the name of going very deep, people, uh, devotees, lose sight of the universality of the tradition. Hmm. And then they they fight over, no, only Madhurya Rasa can be had. Only Manjari Bhav. Hmm. <laughs> And they, they they fight about that. They argue about such things. So, well, only if you're wearing this tilak, who? That's a whole other argument. But you know, these kind of things that uh, that are that are each tradition has its tilak, each lineage, and other details and so forth. And sometimes we we have ours. It's, it's called the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, and it's the generic Gaudiya. Tilak. <laughs> um, so anyway, they, they they become very provincial. Hmm? It's an appearance of being esoteric, but it's actually very provincial, provincial perspective, hmm? sectarian. Hmm? Um, Tilak reference. Some of you will understand better than than others, but I won't go into it. Um, but uh, well, Bhaktivinotaka says the Barabahi is the one who carries the burden of um, uh, identifying with sectarian markings and, and so forth, which have their value, but uh, identifying with them as principles rather than as details. And then they become an, an impediment. And so you can have a lot of information and speak esoterically, but be very provincial at the, at the same time when in fact Gaudi Vaishnavism is is, is, is is universal and uh, it's very inclusive, even while it's very specific in terms of the ideals that it offers. It's very inclusive in terms of um, appreciating different uh, forms of worship and approaches to the Godhead and emphasis, as I say, on the many. There are many faces and different, and the and transcendence is, is is variegated and so forth. <clears throat> so. That's a very uh, th- th- that's a real sign for um, sainthood, mm, universality, but not you know like Krishna West might be a, like for example it's a modern sect, hmm, uh, offshoot of the Gaudiya tradition, and its uh, emphasis is more universality, but it's if you look carefully it's at the, it's at the cost of esoteric. Uh, truths in the depth and the specificity of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in terms of what it, it, opportunity it, it, it affords us hmm? um, and the theological intricacies of it and so forth that distinguish it from uh, other traditions in beautiful ways. Um, 
So that's just to go the other side. So then the so-called esoteric mm, perspective that's that looking carefully is rather rather provincial and and then, and then there's and then there's the universalist emphasis that that loses eso, eso, esotericity <laughs> esotericness <laughs> so we find both very balanced uh, in uh, in uh, Bhaktivinotakur and that very much that that's the uh, the current and the emphasis of his his uh, his group his 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 body bar and um, and that's how uh, Sarasati Thakur taught his disciples to think. We were members of the Bhaktivinoda Paribar. So, uh, t- typically, the Paribars are connected to eternal associates of Mahaprabhu, like Srivast Thakur, Vedadhar Pandit, um, Advaita, Nityananda, Goswami lineages, and so on and so forth. Uh, they're all tied to or connected to or originate in a, one of the eternal associates of Mahaprabhu. But we have um, exceptions who were there present with him in his manifest Leela. In, in for example, the Narutam Paribar. Hmm. Narutam was a disciple of Lokanath Swami who was a, who was a, um, present in the times of Mahaprabhu. But it's, it's his, his only disciple was Narutam Thakur and he made such a big uh, contribution to Gaudiya Vaishnavism that it's often referred to as Narutam Paribar. You, know, you have uh, Shamananda Paribar. There is an esoteric uh, incident that occurred in 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 a, in a Sakiras lineage coming from Goridas Pandit, hmm, in which uh, Shamananda Prabhu appeared, where by the uh, uh, internal affairs, <laughs> if you will, uh, his uh, he was um, um, taken from a Sakiras lineage and turned into, into uh, uh, to the pursuit of Gopi Bhav, right? It's a famous story and uh, celebrated. So we he, his party bar he has a party bar they called. Shaman and the Paribar, because so, so something special they did. Hmm? So there are exceptions like that. So looking at Bhaktivinoda's work, it's very exceptional. I mean, no one interfaced with the modern world, and there were opportunities. Uh, I was speaking to some of the devotees the other day, and I, I was pointing out that the, and I don't know the exact dates of the, of the Cartesian, what did you call it, revolution. Hmm? Cartesian, or who 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 was it that? Who I think? Who who? who Galileo. Copernicus. Copernican revolution. Copernican revolution is what I'm thinking. The Copernican revolution. It was thought that the world was revolving around. You use the term <laughs> play on words. It was revolving around. The planets were revolving around the Earth, right? And the Copernican revolution was to an insight was that no, the planets are moving around the sun. It kind of depends how you look at it, but anyway, uh, according to his, the math and so forth, that became the predominant um, perspective. 
And I don't remember the dates about that, but I, I think I looked it up once, and, and those ideas were out and about in Europe and had made some um, ingress into India also during the time of the of the Goswamis hmm, in Vrindavan. Hmm. And some traditionalists, if you will, who, were, who, who would go by the Puranic perspective rather than the modern scientific perspective at the time, they interfaced, uh, there's some history of that, I've read some articles of it, with this uh, Copernican idea which seemed to be in, in conflict with the Puranic uh, perspective and so forth, and then some try to f- make a fusion, and, and, and some convert it over, and so forth. But the Goswamis, um, I mean, it was out there, hmm? but they ignored it. They were too busy mm-hmm. hmm, establishing the, the 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 truth of bhakti and the, the fact that everything's revolving around the atma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the Atma is revolving around the Paramatma, and the Paramatma is revolving around Krishna. Krishna's to Bhagavan Svayam. So they didn't they didn't take it up. <clears throat> but there was a chance there, an opportunity, right, for Gaudiya Vaishnavism to interface with the modern world, if you could call the Copernican time Copernican times modern. Um, but by the time of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, well. The West was had set up a capital in Bengal in Bengal in Calcutta. Right? The British capital uh, was in Calcutta, so it was at his his doorstep. Hmm? And uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism was very um, obscure and uh, misunderstood, and misrepresented, and uh, not looked upon very. Um, uh, kindly by the ruling ruling class and many Hindus, educated and so forth, uh, pious were were, were uh, agreed with the, the British perspective. So it was quite a surprise when when Bhaktivinoda converted to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, a thinker in the times that he was, and the circles in which he was moving, and so on and so forth. But anyway, there was the modern in a world right at his doorstep. So he. He, he took up the challenge. He dealt with it. That's a huge, huge uh, challenge. Um, uh, you know, we experience a little bit any time we try to. You know, you go to the, the to the to the grocery store and someone says, "Oh, those are nice beads. What are those?" You know, and then you know, what am I going to say to them? You know, how am I going to talk about this? What, what, how am I, you know. The best is Bhakti Vinod had to, you know, that's a that's a challenge. You, you've all had a challenge. Somebody asks you a question about your your your, you know, your your religion or whatnot, and, and how do I what, put it in words? Where do I start? You know, where, how much do I tell them? How not? And, and so this is quite. Uh, um, it's one thing to share it in India and or in Bengal or in, in, in those days even. Of course, the Varnashram system was was much more in place. It was uh, ruled by the British, but um, uh, that uh, the 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 the, the uh, place of the Brahmins and the religious society was still 
pretty pretty prominent. That's why Bhaktivinoda Thakur was would sometimes comment about Varnashram. He told Bhakti Siddhanta to, to uh, establish the the, the Daiva Varnashram. He meant that the, the present day Varnashram does not respect or understand the bhakti and the place of bhakti. So it's become asuric. Hmm. And this is from, you know, if you look at the understanding of Varnashram, as it's explained in the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, hmm, then it's very clear the position of Vaishnavism. So he said, establish Daiva Varnashram. The, the truth, about, because this was the, the dominant amongst Hindus religious system. Hmm? So Bhakti Siddhanta, he established Daiva Varnashram by saying, what real Varnashram is this, and the Suric Varnashram is that, and real Varnashram is is subordinate to to Vaishnavism, and which is the Paro Dharma, so on and so forth. So it's one thing then to, as I say, to, and that's a challenge too. Share what you know. This is the Paro Dharma, and Sarva Dharman Paritya Jamaami Kam Sharanam Raja. So far, your religious sensibilities, throw them out the window hmm? and just chant Hare Krishna. Wait a minute, I have to turn left to do this, I have to worship like that when I wake up and before I pass stool, I have to do this. And Varnashram's got 10,000 rules and, and, and my Varna mandates this and my ashram mandates that and, and that's not a bad thing, but just chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> you know, throw all that out. <laughs> and Krishna says, don't worry. I'll cover for you. If you think there's going to be... This is Ananya Bhakti, right? Uttam Bhakti. Not covered by karma. There's no worry. If I don't fulfill my karmic um, obligations, according to the system of the karma, there'll be no loss. And if I fulfill them, there'll be no gain. Hmm. In terms of bhakti, so that's a hard sell. It's it's still a hard sell today to some people who, and there's few of them, but there are some. If there's even there who who are you know varnashramis, or then there's the devotees who are really varnashramis, or or whose bhakti is is without their understanding it is covered by karma, and they think unless we do this varnashram thing. Bhakti won't be efficacious. They don't say it in those words, but they think like that, and it's evident in the way they they uh, they speak sometimes or write. Hmm. So that's a challenge in itself. Um, but compared to trying to explain uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism to a whole different uh, world view, it's a big challenge. So Bhakti Vinotaku took up the challenge, and um, and and and. Uh, and for that, he wrote in English. He also wrote in, in his native language in Bengali for Bengal, where he found all this misrepresentation of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He stretched things a couple of times, like I referred to earlier. He said, you know, just imagine, okay, you bring someone from Britain over, the chancellor, to West Bengal, introduce him to the guru in the Nityananda Vamsa, hmm? lineage coming from Nityananda Prabhu and he says yes yes if you want to attain prem then you must drink my urine 
Not a good preaching strategy. <laughs> uh, they had this. Some they would say things like this. This is their idea of uh, kind of an extreme idea that if you want bhakti, you have to get it from the, the guru. And of course, that particular group is we're in the family lineage coming from Nityananda Prabhu, who incidentally had no sons or daughters. Um, isn't it? They, but they had no sons. He, yeah, he had a couple, so like Virabhadra. But then, at a certain point, they had no more sons. So, end of the you know, the bombs. But they, so, so they would think that Nityanandapur was in our blood. Hmm. So, they would uh, made it kind of an occupation out of that, and Bengal innocent people would, you know would be uh, exploited, manipulated to some extent. And they weren't getting the siksha. So Bhakti Vinotak were to say, and take a more Vedantic perspective, which had some dignity hmm? in the minds of the, of the, of the, of the, of the foreigners. Hmm? Um, Advaita Vedanta, even in Prabhupada's time, my Guru Maharaj's time, our Guru Maharaj's time was 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 the was the dominant understanding in the West of what Hinduism is all about? This was taught in all the school. There was no t- teaching about Vishishta Dvaita, Dvaita Dvaita Dvaita, or any other form of Vedanta. Hmm? And the Christians would rail against that. Uh, that uh, you're saying you are God and hmm, so forth. So so uh, so. Uh, so to say, the prem is in you, chant and it will come out. Hmm? This is kind of a, a Vedantic emphasis. This was the emphasis of Vedanta. An accurate emphasis. You're trying to be happy. You're trying to be secure. You're trying to know. But you are a unit of happiness. A unit of being that cannot die, and you are a unit of knowing, Satchitananda, stop, stop trying to become, be. The becoming is the problem, being is the reality. This is, it's all there in you. We hear Neo-Advaitin perspectives like that in the contemporary Western spiritual circles. You are already enlightened. Stop trying to pursue enlightenment. You are enlightened. It's a weird way of saying it, but there's some truth to it. But how that's understood by the speaker is even is questionable. What to speak about those who hear it? And then somebody has some minor, minor, minor epiphany and a good gift for the gab becomes a guru. I became enlightened. I stepped off the bus, and that was the moment for me. I realized I am such Ananda. Hmm. So it's all within you. Gaudi Vaishnava is, of course, interestingly enough, and leave it to us to complicate things. It says that all that's true. Stop trying to become and be, and then be all that you can be, 
which is now the transcendental becoming. Hmm? I mean, Krishna himself is becoming all the time. He, you know, we, our focus is on the, the the most, in terms of Krishna, the most introspective moments of himself, which find him trying to become. Right, he's trying to become such that he can experience himself more fully as he understands Radha does. That's a very curious idea. So bhakti is a kind of transcendental uh, becoming. Hmm? Because you are a unit of consciousness, but with the ingress of bhakti, you can take a, you can have prema, and prema has a shape. Hmm? And, and uh, uh, leelas, newer and newer leelas, and, and the nature of that Srup Shakti that governs the Leela is that it's constantly manifesting in newer and newer ways for the pleasure of Krishna, making arrangements. And, and you will be one of them. Hmm? Oh, there's a new new gopi here. Hmm. Come in. Hmm. And Krishna will say, I'm not that kind of boy. <laughs> we talked about that last night. And Subal will laugh. Send her home. To test you. <laughs> so, so that's uh, very curious. But the point, anyway, is that um, Bhakti Vinod Thakur he took some some minor liberties at times to to not just speak about the philosophy in a dynamic way, but to kind of stretch some points of tattva sometimes, where he thought he could make make them more uh, appealing the hook to bring bring people in preaching strategy sometimes we, we call it hmm. um, and if you don't think Bhaktivinoda was doing that you have no idea who Bhaktivinoda Thakur is the kind of genius he had the, what he was thinking about and it's so interesting to and Prabhupada was doing this too I mean Prabhupada was you know he, he was he was living in Vrindavan and in one sense he was living in Vrindavan for going to Delhi with a desire to go to Delhi. What, you know, he's supposed to be living in Vrindavan with a desire to stay in Vrindavan, but he decided to go to Delhi to get his Bhattacadet magazine printed. Right? And then he would have to distribute it, so I wasn't around at the time, so he did it himself. <laughs> and you weren't around. And you, and you. <laughs> so... He would go to the tea shops, right, where everybody was drinking tea and talking about the new um, country, right? India, Bharat, a new republic, right, with Nehru, and so what? What the women weren't allowed, just men talking politics, you know? and Prabhupada would be distributing his uh, Back to Godhead magazine in the tea shops. And then sometimes he would find tracts from the, like, Jehovah's Witnesses. And he would read them. And they would get in. There was no internet. Hmm? You know, he didn't have access to, like, just, you know, go to the major library and read about the Western world so much. It was, it's not like 
today's world, so he, he would get some idea what they're like over there. Hmm. So he was in Vrindavan, desiring to go to Delhi, in Delhi, going desiring to go to America. <laughs> so obviously he wasn't Krishna conscious. Hmm. He, he should have just desired to stay in Vrindavan. Hmm. But uh, this was his this was his his Ragmarg readings, right? Hmm. He would read those things, but only. You go to the tea shops, but only, like I said, Nityananda Prabhu, if you see him in the brothel, then you should know he's only there to spread Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. You see Prabhupada in Delhi in the tea shop trying to get a ticket to America. It's not like the average Indian, well, a lot of Indian boys who become fantastic brahmacharis in ISKCON or another institution for two, who has a connection with the West for two years so that then they can look very pukka and surrendered and everything. So it's like go in the military for two years. They, 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 and then they get a visa to America and they come here and they, and they set up shop and get married and make money and all their brahmacharya and practice goes out the window. Not all of them, but then it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it happens. Uh, after all, Sadhu is one of the occupational opportunities in India. Well, obvious, maybe obvious. What do you want to be when you grow up? I think I'll be a sadhu. I'll try that. I'll go to the Himalayas. And, you know, I'll become an acharya. And so you find some of these boys, they, they, they're living in the mission, and they're, you don't know what's going on. You don't speak Bengali or Hindi. You, have no, you think they're all saints and everything. But, some, but it's not exactly like that. So, and, and it's good there too. But this is just an example of things that can happen. There's just some subtle or not so subtle competition between some of the leading boys. Who's going to be the acharya? Which is that what they're doing it for? So they be, then, it's, then they're set up. They're going to have chapatis into their old age. Going to have rice into their old age and other. So for t- they do tag in the name of bhakti, renunciation, for bhoga, hmm, for, for, for enjoying. Hmm. They therefore it said, ati bhakti lakshan, chor lakshan. Too much bhakti, ati bhakti, sign of a thief. Hmm. It's got too much bhakti. Hmm, I have a question about it. When bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur once, he came to, I think it was Madras, and um, the... Uh, his disciple who was leading the mission there said, oh, there's this one devotee, he's rendering so much nice service here. Gurmash, please give him a moment of your your, your time. And, and and so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur said, so I understand, he talked with him, he said, so I said, you're rendering so much service here. And, and um, he said, yes, by your grace, Gurmash, and so forth. And he had all these projects he'd started in a very responsible position it would have been an impossible to replace him hmm, in those areas of his seva. And so Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi said, okay, very good, so tomorrow I want you to give up this and go to Calcutta. Hmm? There. And so he said, yes, Guru Maharaj. And then he said, no, I need to stay. And so he he tested him and he could see he was not, he was really dedicated just to the service idea. Hmm? And you know, I knew, and then the godbrother of mine was very busy doing a lot of big service and so forth. And and uh, Prabhupada said to him, 
um, I want to change your service and send you to China. Hmm. No, he said, I want to, I want to change your service and, uh, and take him out of this responsible position. He had all these brahmacharis he was overseeing. And he said, probably you might as well, might as well send me to China. And Prabhupada said, yeah, that's it, China. <laughs> Krishna's spoken through you. We don't have anybody in China. We send you to China. He wasn't, yes, okay, he, he didn't quite respond. He, he, later on he came around, but, <laughs> but he, apparently he thought, my service is very big, very important. Hmm. Prabhupada had a different idea. Hmm. That's why Prabhupada said once when he was asked, why so many advanced devotees are falling down? And Prabhupada said, advanced devotees don't fall down. <laughs> So, uh, so at any rate, uh, uh, yeah, Bhakti Vinod, he was very, um, he could do things like that. And obviously, what he wanted to do was successful, not to the extent that he had hoped or imagined, perhaps, but all of the effects of what he was doing did not accrue immediately in his lifetime. Hmm. It said in the end, he said, I tried to preach, but, you know, it didn't work, so... Whatever he retired for the last four years of his life, but we see here we all are. If he had now, he's happy with <laughs> with uh, with his uh, his uh, efforts. And uh, but that it was this was very dynamic and very nobody nobody had done this. Hmm? So for uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur to say when his students asked, "What party bar are we?" Remember, we would say Bhakti Vinod Paribar, like Shamananda Paribar, Narottam Paribar. So there's a precedent for that, where they're naming the Paribar after a prominent devotee, even though he's not dating back to the time of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm, right? So now someone would say, well, then it's gone as the Bhakti Vedanta Paribar. Hmm. But Prabhupada. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he said, my mission is the mission of Bhakti Vinod. And his guru told him, you are a member of the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. And as Sridhar said, the idea for the kind of a campaign that our Guru Maharaj conducted, which was extraordinary, was came in Bhakti Vinod. was given some shape by Bhakti Siddhanta, who opened 64 monasteries, sent missionaries to England, and then his disciple, our Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta Swami, took it all over the world. Right? So this is it's more appropriate, as he would have liked uh, and thought and conceived, to refer to it as Bhaktivedanta Paribhara. But but this is this is kind of something about it. It's supposed to be have a universal understand the universality of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and um, its breadth. Hmm? And its depth at the same same time, hmm. and then so you have to see that that's going on. They're getting the depth, and not at the cost of the breath. In the name of the depth, becoming really sectarian and and provincial, hmm. and and then in the name of the breath and the universality of it, not losing contact with its depth. Hmm. <coughs> After all, Prabhupada said he didn't name it the Society for God Consciousness for a reason. 
It's in society for Krishna consciousness, right? So, uh, uh, Krishna is God, but you, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes the name Brahman is used <laughs> for God. Uh, <laughs> right. There's still some some thoughts uh, been on my mind that you brought up. So. so so yeah, we 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 don't want to be. Uh, we want to be. So he was a theistic perennialist, really. Bhaktivinotaka. He really he he said the other day we went on a walk and and the the path that we went on was at the end of the county line road and there's a church there, and along the church there's a graveyard. Hmm. So I, I made the point. See, and then they have this citadea conception here in Christianity also. The body they think is preserved in the ground because there will be a day of resurrection when it will ascend and take on all uh, uh, such ananda it will become spiritualized and it will function in the spiritual world there. Mm. A, so they have their citadel. <laughs> now, if you talk to someone with a more provincial citadel, go to your perspective. They can't even. If you didn't get this and this and this and exactly in this way, you can't have a citadel. Our our ideas, the Christians will have citadel also, and they they have a conception of it, and it's 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 it's. Uh, in, in, in Jesus local, that's how it works. <laughs> Something like that. So, so you know, I, with a theistic perennialist kind of uh, perspective, then um, you know, to, to play that out, then the, the 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 sectarian differences between the religions uh, do not have to become a negative or something that has to be done away with, hmm? because sectarian has a pejorative. Context, you know, can be used that way, or it, it it can be, you know, this is our sect, and we do it like this, and and everything we do in it is is uh, is uh, for the purpose of promoting the, the the idea, the principle, and uh, and so on and so forth. As long as it's understood as details for that purpose, why I'm doing them, why I, why this particular ritual or dress or whatever may be the case. It's all orient, designed to help, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it also may be a, a, a features of the, the the spiritual character and person of of, of the founder, even mm-hmm. um, worth uh, preserving, as is the form of the acharya. So certain things that he put in place, or she put in place. Uh, you can say there's an iskon in the spiritual world, right? But there's no walls around it, <laughs> something like that, or it's the only one from which you fall down. From you can fall from problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> forgive me for that, but um, so uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, therefore. Um, You know, there can be a Peter and Paul and a Gabriel and 
the archangels and so forth. And there can be the Vishnu Dutas and in Bhaktivedanta's uh, conception. Of course, the tradition has to be ego-effacing, and certainly there is an ego-effacing um, center to Christianity. It, you know, it may be as, as lost in many modern Christian sects as it is in many Gaudiya, modern Gaudiya sects and other traditions and so forth. But um, if it's ego-effacing, if it's grace-dependent, uh, then it must have some efficacy. So, hmm. It said, God is made, man is made in the image of God. Humans are made, let's say, in the image of God. Hmm. Krishna's coming in a two, two-armed form. Earth is very special to Krishna. Hmm. Hmm. So, person, what I'm saying is all this cultural. If you want to do away with all the cultural distinctions, you're going to end up in Brahman, hmm. or a very abstract idea of God. And, and then the more abstract the idea of God is, the less specificity there is, hmm. the less there can be any tangible expression of love. Hmm. When Arjuna, who loved Krishna in, in, in Sakyabhav, hmm, saw his universal form, which is very abstract, and his Sakyabhav shrunk. It couldn't be expressed in relation to that form. Hmm? Right? It made him uneasy. He was uncomfortable with that. Hmm? People think, well, Krishna, Krishna showed the universal form. This is this, there, there he showed the real thing. Hmm? But from the point of view of, of Arjuna's rasa, then this was incompatible. Hmm? The object of his love is is a four-armed Krishna and two-armed Krishna, hmm? not ten million-armed headed Virata Rupa universal form. Hmm. So more abstract, then less specificity. Then how can it be love? So in, so in Sakya Ras, there's specificity. Certain qualities of Krishna are going to stand out. In Madhurya Ras, there's specificity. In Mafatsali Ras, specificity. Certain qualities of Krishna, so many qualities, will be prominent in the, through the lens of Sakya Ras, of Madhurya Ras, and so forth. Hmm? So the more you do away with specificity and universalize, even though that to do that to some extent, then well, then we do it in this way. We honor it over there, but we're not in the, we're not going to go there ourselves. We're not going to go bury ourselves and, and hope our you know body will be resurrected and there will be Gorlila. We had a different approach to it, but okay, it might work for you over there. It's possible, hmm. or at least we say the concept is is there, the idea is there. Hmm. We see it, for example. Hmm. So, so there's a place for the cultural sensibilities that surround Gaudiya Vaishnavas, especially when it comes to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, a historical figure 
rather than a mytho-historical figure who you can't really date or or demonstrate through modern methods that he existed. Shaitanya uh, Mahaprabhu, we can do that with, right? And there's a certain culture there. You know it. And uh, it's it's all it was very favorable for what he was teaching about. So uh, not that they're all it's all essential, but essential features of it are. And, hmm. So we don't have to do away with all the cultural baggage and end up in impersonal Brahman. Hmm. They're different. It's a variegated world. Hmm. What else? Yes. Well, it means that the Sunday, that the the form of Krishna is uh, the 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 the, the uh, forms correspond with Sandini, Sandini Shakti, existential <coughs> Shakti. So he he presides over that. So he manifests the worlds hmm, on both sides, but there's no beginning to it, right? At the same time, right? So he presides over it. So he presides over the shakti that that uh, all the, f- the 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 forms are manifestations of. Krishna is a manifestation of Balaram, but it didn't happen. You know, one day there wasn't a Balaram, and the next day there was, right? So you said, well, how could the forms come from Balaram and Balaram comes from Krishna? But yeah, that aspect of Krishna, Balaram, it sees eternally existing, Sandini Shakti is there. Is it saying this is that the form of Krishna is manifestation of the. at least in part or in a predominant way, Sandini Shakti. What else? Can you mention that a few nights ago about um, Shankarshara manifests? You have Balaram, he expands uh, with 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 Krishna f- is, as Mool Sankarshan to from Leelas in Mathura. And then Vasudev Krishna, Leela's in Mathura, and then in Dwarka. And then Pradyumna and Aniruddha are manifest there, son and grandson of Krishna. That makes up the first Chatur Vyuha, the Vyuha. And then Balaram expands as Mahasankarshan in Vaikuntha. And Pradyumna appears as Pradyumna in Vaikuntha and Aniruddha. And Vasudev, hmm? and then Vasudev Narayan from uh, then Mahasankarshan, who's is from Mool Sankarshan, we call him now Mahasankarshan, hmm? the root hmm? and the great. Hmm? So, some some Aishvarya to the to the uh, epithet hmm? Mahasankarshan, big, 
right? Bakunta, everything's big there. Um, so he then, uh, so to speak, tenders to the desire of Narayan, Vasudev, hmm, of the Vyuha, to bestow mukti. He wants to, despite being surrounded by muktas and fully satisfied, he wants to bestow mukti. There's no one to bestow mukti on. So who's a better servant of Narayan than Mahasankarshan? Who's a better servant of Krishna than, than Balaram? Right? So, so Mahasankarshan manifests as Mahavishnu. And then Pradyumna and Aniruddha come as Garbhadaksha and Shuradaksha Vishnu. These are the three Purushas. So Mahasankarshan, as in the form of Mahavishnu is the original avatar, because avatar means descending, right? From the Paravyom to this world. And there he then is in, as Mahavishnu, he has an atmosphere of the Maya Shakti that he oversees. And then he decides to become many. And the many are like him, but small, and there's a problem, so he avatars further. There's yuga avatars, lila avatars, and so on and so forth. And through Brahma manifest the Vedas, and, and so forth. And this is the lila of shristi, creation, and facilitating, the, in one sense, the, the world is, is to facilitate the liberation of the Jivas. The condition, materially conditioned souls to liberate them because they need a form to be liberated. They need, a, they can't just sit in Susupti and Vishnu. So he manifests the world. Anyway, that's that's um, what we were talking about. Yeah. Yes. And regarding this specificity at the cost of universality and vice versa. And vice versa, yeah. Yeah, vice versa. So there is this um, Prabhupada installed Radha London Ishvara, and you have commented like this is actually uh, a Radha Marga or like Mamata. Mm. And we have some devotees in Sweden, they're very much into this. They want to translate everything and to Swedish and bring in local, Krish- bring <laughs> Krishna to locally. Sweden. Would you comment something? They should have some uh, guidance from advanced devotees in that regard so that nothing is lost in translation, as they say. Hmm. Yeah, it's a. You know, the idea is is to. make uh, Krishna local. Hmm. And endear oneself more readily, easily, hmm, through local cultural sensibilities and language and so on and so forth. But you have to see that such an effort is successful. And what is the measure of the success? What is the measure of the success? measure these success is to the extent to which 
I no longer think I'm Swedish. So you have to be careful that <laughs> in the name of doing that, you don't make Krishna Swedish and you're sweet and, and it's all the Swedish sensibilities prevail, hmm, so to speak. Uh, uh, so, yeah. and and that's why I say we need good guidance because the let's say for example the descriptions of Krishna Leela, well they obviously have cultural sensibilities from India and so forth. But who is relating them? Hmm. Right? Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami. So they're not only Indians, so to speak, but they're who they are spiritually, their character, their their theology and philosophy and so forth. And so it's, you know, Rati cannot be attained by poetry, but if you have rati, and then you express it in poetry, that poetry has power, great power, hmm. and um, and therefore indirectly, that poetry, like the books of the Goswamis, is what they have the power to give you rati. Hmm. This is the idea, but not everybody has that power <coughs> to. Uh, uh, translate those feelings rati hmm, into into poetry. Hmm. So you need some help with <laughs> for that, and on the one side, and um, I say that the descriptions of the Leela given by the Goswamis are, uh, in one sense, not to be taken literally, in that they do employ poetic device and so forth, on the one hand, um, and, and on the other hand, not to be taken literally as if it's exactly like this, because if you're going to read Jiva Goswami, it's exactly like this. And then if you're going to read Kavi Karnapur, uh-oh, it happened a little different over here, and that wasn't part of it. And then, and, and, and then I read Rupa Goswami over here, so I start finding, oh, wait a minute. So you can't take it literally in that sense, hmm? right? You have to look at it like, there's a sea of potentiality that is called the it's Rup Shakti. There's a sea of potentiality called the Maya Shakti. In relation to it, if you relate through the will of the Jiva with the Maya Shakti, then a certain picture will come. It looks like things are out there. Um, that's a kind of modern questionable scientific perspective, uh, questionable by some, accepted by others, but then a sea of potentiality is the Srupa Shakti also. So when the will of the Jiva becomes purified by sufficient ingress of Srupa Shakti into the Sadaka's life, then what does Mahaprabhu say? Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim, Kavitam, Ba. So 
his will there in the Mama Janmani Janmanishvare Prabhupada Bhakti Hoitakita. I only desire bhakti. Hmm? Then that will but through that will in the effort expressed, that devotee has taken advantage of the grace, which is the opportunity that's come to him, bhakti samskars through the through the, the guru and sadhus. Hmm? And now the will is going to is going to is going to doesn't go away. He says nadanam nadjanam nasundaram doesn't mean he doesn't have any will. He doesn't have any will for anything that's under the jurisdiction of the paramatma, which is the whole world, which is dharma, the kama, and moksha, even mama janmani janmanishvare. I don't even care to get free from birth and death. He says, hmm? I only want bhakti. Life after life. So this is ruchi. Hmm? So in this stage, the, the, the will didn't go away. So now the will is going to be functioning what? In relation to the sarup shakti, which is a sea of potentialities. Hmm? And it will be functioning in relation to the window of opportunity that has come to one, bhakti samskars, for madhurya rasa, for sakyarasa. Hmm? And so that's why we hear sometimes, oh, but according to the devotee's desire, he will attain a certain desire in this stage. You may you may understand theoretically prior to that what is the window of opportunity that's come before me. Then learn about that ideal and so forth, and you will have some some desire for that and so forth. But then the, the details of hmm, you will hear the leela anything that part. Hmm. And and in the morning, hmm, when when Radha is coming from Yavat, the place of her in-laws' home, to cook for Krishna in the company of her sakis and manjaris, hmm, then you should think, then I want to be there, hold her up. Hmm? Hmm. The opportunity that's being presented to her to come to cook for Krishna daily like it's just like it happened for the first time every time hmm? it's so overwhelming Raghunath Das makes a prayer like that I want to be there at that time hmm? and Krishna's friends like a there she, she comes and before she sees Krishna then her friend will see and then start to describe him hmm? in great detail and pour the nectar into her ear. And before Krishna sees Radha, then he's standing there with his arm on Subal and Subal will see Radha. He will describe Radha. Hmm? And then hearing the descriptions, Radha and Krishna want to meet, hmm? but they can't given the circumstances. So they want to meet, but there's a problem what to do? How, what can, you can't say anything. Therefore, Narmasaka will come, put a nice champak lata, golden, representing the in sign language, the garland of the the, the the complexion of Radha on Krishna, who's dark like the tamal tree that the champak lata will grow around. And then they both understand. Oh, by the grace of my friends, our friends. It'll be possible today. Somehow, we'll make arrangement. We'll meet. Haribo. Mm-hmm.
So then you read and you think, that I to be there, that I will do this. You get some some part of it make you feel, oh, this. Uh, hmm? Before going out, after eating in the morning, hmm? at Nanda's house, then take a nap, hmm? Krishna's friends, and then it's time for herding. So now the Narmasakas will come and they will, Krishna's already been dressed, but now they'll change his dress for herding. Hmm? Put a peacock feather on and uh, decorate him for that. And one sucker will come and put a pearl garland around him, hmm? in which, if he looks down, Radha's face will be reflected. He might not be able to look at her in the lead, but he can look down and see. Hmm? So then he, one will see that here, like that, and think, I want to put that garland there. Hmm? That, 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 that. That mm, necklace, hmm? and the Saka group leader will okay. Now you do it today. Hmm? You put that on. Hmm? So you, you the devotee hears, and then then he, he or she naturally feels, oh, I'm moved by this part here. Then you start to put together details through desire. Hmm? Desire now is all in relation to the sea of potentiality that's the sarup shakti, which is existing only for the pleasure of Krishna. So the desires are all going to be pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? And they're all within the parameters of what the devotees already learned is the window of opportunity that's come before him or her, and they have some some affinity for it and so forth. Hmm? Right. So... Uh, so we were talking about poetry, and, uh, and so well, we could go on with that. I mean, not, not exactly the point I was making, but then you can write your own poetry too. And so, in relation to the sea of opportunity, then different devotees are experiencing, and uh, and they're experiencing it one way, another another way, and writing about it, and and trying to put into words their rati, hmm? their love. Hmm? So those words are powerful. They have great power. Hmm? And um, therefore it's, it's useful to, uh, to, uh, to, to learn them and uh, at least in your own language, but in a way that really represents them. Sometimes just a literal translation, just like, hmm. I don't know how that verse turned anybody on. Okay, next one. Next one. But... Of course, the book is written in Sanskrit, like Gunilalandamrita, for people who know Sanskrit. Hmm? It's like, you know, you write the opera for people who have some scar for the opera. I mean, if you take me to the opera, I want to get out of there as soon as I can. Other people will be weeping, right? So, yeah, you have to have Adhikar for Bhakti, and arguably, to really get enter into a text like Gunalimamrita, if you don't have enough bhakti, you need adhikar for Sanskrit, poetry, and, and so forth. That's why we need a Guru Parampara. That's why we need a guidance to translate it into Sweden or, or something. But what will be, you know, to carry the rati in the poetry hmm, into it, that's easier said than done. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so you, it's 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 a little 
a little tricky. And, uh, you know, you kind of want to meet Krishna at least halfway, right? <laughs> I only love you if you become completely Swedish. <laughs> you know, you got to become a little Indian, too. <laughs> you did appear in India. You know, it is a very uh, extraordinary culture, historically, the time you appeared. Um, what were the sensibilities there and what were the sensibilities in, in Europe, you know? What are the what are the Eastern sensibilities compared to Western sensibilities? Am I I would call it, you know, they have this thing, Western European exceptionalism. Why I would I wouldn't look at it like that. Eastern exceptionalism. In Western exceptionalism, there's 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 Rajaguna, Tamaguna. Where's the Sattvaguna? Just trying to extend the sensual opportunities. Like I say, make a award-winning movie out of one frame, out of one life. Eastern sensibility is very, it's very different. Very, very sublime way of looking at the world. And so, from the Rajasic Western perspective, it looks like backwards. Not progressive, not no no progress. So, but but so, so to enter into the, the Eastern mind a little bit, uh, that's a certain culture. Krishna appears in different parts of the world. That's true. Bhakti Vinod acknowledged that. Shaktivesh avatars in different places, but he thought that well, when he appears in India, it's a little more full. Hmm see what's expressed there theologically I mean look at the Bhagavatam and look at the Bible and see what you know what from a historic from a from a point of view of philosophical theological theological complexity of uh, from a literary point of view I mean there's just no comparison between the, the two books and they're both they're both great books I never read the Bible but I read some statements sometime it's clearly good advice down to earth, really good. If people would embrace that, then they would. If it the liberty in the world, it would be great. <laughs> That's you know. So Jesus was was had something to to offer. Hmm. But and I see, the more a religious tradition becomes esoteric, esoteric Islam, esoteric Sufism, esoteric. Christianity, the more it starts to look like Hinduism, it starts to become nonviolent, starts to think maybe there's reincarnation, vegetarian, um, and so on. Bharat ki jai. Sweden. It's a, it's a good place too. But. So, yeah, you know, a little, little, little. It's easier said than done. All right, she says, Goranamadava Kija, Go Bhaktavinda Kija, Go Premanandi, Rivo, Vanchakopadri Besta, Kripasindu Beva, Chapati Tanam Babin, Vishnabi Banamanama, Ananda Kuti Vishnabinda Kija.